Welcome to the Compassionate Capitalist Radio Show with host Karen Rands. A compassionate capitalist is someone who invests their money into entrepreneur endeavors to bring innovation to the market and create wealth for all those involved. Karen shares insights and best practices for entrepreneurs to succeed and investors to share in that success without all the risks. And now... So welcome to the Compassionate Capitalist podcast and video for those that are watching here today. Um, you know, I do this subset called the Cannabis Capitalist podcast underneath my umbrella of Compassionate Capitalism because I felt like, and if you've listened to any of these other segments, cannabis to me was one of those, is an industry that's in its formation that at, from an investor standpoint and from an entrepreneur standpoint, is very much like if you could step back in time to when the auto industry started up. And if you think, yeah, they invented the automobile, but then there was so much more in the way that it was manufactured and we came up with all kinds of innovation as a result of that, when the way that it was sold and the way that it was serviced and the way that it just was transported, you know, and then all the ancillaries beyond that where, you know, roads were recreated and gas stations were recreated and, service stops along those roads for the people and so a whole our whole entire perspective of of how, how we how we got around how we communicated how we we got together with other people just whatever everything has changed right it changed yeah. and cannabis is doing that right now it's having a profound impact on the medical community because of and you've listened to any of my other episodes on cannabinoids and things like that um that it, it, the medical it, treatments and there's a lot of history of the benefits of it medicinally, but also they're finding mentally the benefits of it mentally, um, also socially for people that, that where it is legal recreationally, they don't drink as much. There's not as many DUIs. There's all kinds of, of social benefits to what is happening with the legalization of marijuana, either at a medical level or at a recreational level. And so it's always important to look into it. And one of the things that has been a linchpin that is a challenge to the industry is the financial sector. And how do they get financial services to be able to run a business, operate a business, and the, the investment impact when you invest in a business and what, how is it treated? It's, it's been stimmied because of it being illegal at a federal level and, and the banking side of that. So when I found my guest today, Peter Sue, you can wave now, um, I said, Great. I finally find someone that is really, truly educated and, and solving the problems. So this is going to be a great show for all of those that are curious about this industry. Should I get into it? What are the risks? We're going to address one of those risks, where we are right now and where we're going with that in this particular podcast. So let me tell you a little bit more about uh, Peter as I, I bring him on. So he is the vice president of BNB, which is a private banking firm that provides financial services to cannabis companies from seed to sale. And we'll explain that more in a minute. He is a certified treasury professional and cannabis banking professional. He is educated on the endocannabinoid system that examines the biomedical impact of medicinal cannabis and hemp CBD in the human body. And Peter is a member of the Banking and Financial Services Committee on the National Cannabis Industry Association. So Welcome to the show, Peter. Really delighted to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, 
thank you for the intro that I, I was, I was kind of looking around like, who's she talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So, um, tell our audience, like, you know, you, people don't really think about banking and it's kind of, you know, stayed and whatever you clearly sure. have a passion for this. So talk about your journey to be this and your bank and how they came to recognize this is a, a these are services that they needed to provide. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you know, uh, t taking cannabis out of the equation for a second. Um, you know, you know, I, I am a, an experienced banker. I've been been banking twenty years. Um, you know, I was with HSBC, Signature Bank, and now BNB. Um, you know, and, and I guess that's part of what I think kind of goes into this, which is, I mean, look, if you look around, the reality is that the industry is is banked, right? Um, you know, the estimates float between seventy five percent to like ninety eight percent or something like that. So this idea that banking is not available or financial services is not available it, it is probably a little bit of a uh, of a myth, I guess. Um, okay. Now, what we what we do that is a little different is it is fully transparent. And what I mean by that is, uh, and you alluded to this earlier. Um, hey, we're you know, uh, it's on my title, it's on my LinkedIn page. I have business cards that say cannabis banking team leader. You know, I, I sit on the NCIA banking committee. You know, so we are we are fully out of the closet, as they say, right? <laughs> Um, and then the same thing on the other side. So why should you care as a cannabis business? Well, where we also are giving the same transparency to you, right? Like if you come in, um, so, so again, people are banked elsewhere, but what are they doing? They're probably, you know, maybe there's separate entities. Oh, we're not really a cannabis business. We're more like a management company or, you know, I've got this LLC, which actually owns the dispensary. So you're banking the parent, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of ways that you can kind of, you know, structure it um, where you're almost hiding the fact that you're that you're a cannabis business. If you look at some of the financing, and I'm sure that's that's the part that you want to talk to. Um, if you look at the most prevalent way that cannabis companies are getting financing today, are you familiar with like the sales leaseback model? Yes. Um, okay. So why is that the most prevalent but, way? Well, but, but explain it to our, our listeners because they may not be familiar with sales leaseback. Oh, sure, sure. So, so very simply, uh, uh, you own a, a piece of property where you've got your grow up, you've got your dispensaries, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what you do is you, you essentially almost, let's say, sell it to me, right? Um, I buy it from you for, for X. And that's the way that you're getting the liquidity to operate. And instead, now I become the landlord. You pay me a lease, right? So that's the sales leaseback. It's as this now I own it and, and you sold it to me and you're now paying me rent, right? So why do they do it that way? Well, uh, uh, first of all, now the real estate is a separate entity from the cannabis business, right? And secondly, um, there's no legal proceedings. I own that property, right? It sh should it go bad if there's foreclosures or whatever, uh, that's it. <laughs> there's no, I don't have to do anything. I just, that's it. It's already mine. I, I don't need to, 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 hire lawyers even. I just, I just evict you and that's it. The, the lease is over. Um, so those are, the, those are the ways, I mean, people are employing uh, lots of different ways to provide financing in the space. And, 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 and the reality is today, and look, this is very fluid, it's changing very quickly, right? But today as we stand, anything that a standard business might want or need um, is available to a cannabis business as well. It's just probably more expensive or more complicated or, you know, there's something involved, some workaround involved, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so, so again, going back to the banking issue is that that's probably what we're doing that's a little bit different. Like, hey, we get it. You're a cannabis business. So there's no yeah. need for you to change how you're structuring your transactions. 
it's not like the first time you send a wire to like cannabis.com, we're going to shut your account down, you know, this, <laughs> Uh, I don't know if there is such a website, but <laughs> somebody's um, going to go get it. If there's not, it probably is. So. Um, because of course buy you should it, be you sending. Buy it for a hundred thousand dollars. You could buy the domain. Name. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> there's a business involved in that. Um, because, you know, of course you should be sending money to cannabis.com. Right. Or, or, um, you know, if, if your transaction says, you know, um, for cannabis shipment, you know, uh, uh, we're not, again, that's not going to be some sort of red flag so trigger. Let's take a step back and explain why is it an issue because of the difference between the state legalizations and federal legalization or non-legalization, e-legalization, and the way banking laws in general are set up where you have, you know, like FDIC and the, the federal rules. Yeah. And then the the state rules and explain a little bit of that. So that might help people understand, sort of in between the lines of how they're doing workarounds within you know state licenses versus federal licenses. And then we'll get into the house bill that's coming up. Sure. Yeah. So so it's actually very simple. It's exactly like you said. It, it's federally illegal, <laughs> and it's, it's a Schedule One drug. Uh, it, it's it's in the same category as like cocaine, you know, which is kind of crazy. Um, so. You know, oddly enough, uh, there are guidelines. FinCEN, our, our main regulatory body, gives us guidelines from, from 2014 on what to do if you want to bank cannabis companies. Oh. So you can. Any bank can do it. Really? <laughs> um, so, okay, good. So any bank that's not doing it just simply doesn't want to. Right? Okay. Now, that's why don't they want to? Well, there's a couple of reasons for that. One is probably reputational, right? That's probably number one, meaning, hey, do we want to be that bank that says, yeah, we're, we're, you know, we have, um, we're banking an illicit drug. Cause again, it is schedule one, right? So maybe there's a little bit of that mental, you know, and, and whether it's a board of directors thing or, or it's just a, you know, the bank overall has reputational concerns or whatever. So it's, it's definitely a high risk industry. So, so why is a high risk? Well, again, it's federally illegal, right? So any, transaction that's occurring on your banking system that facilitates an illegal activity is by definition money laundering right mm. so so to the extent that there's been some guidelines it, it doesn't say you can do this it's okay what it says is if you're going to do this follow these you know eight steps and that the fence guidelines are, are based on the coal memo which has since been rescinded etc cetera, etc cetera. so you know uh, I, and I don't want to make it sound like I know what every bank is thinking, but why aren't banks doing it? It's a lot of work. It's a lot, a lot of work. Like to 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 hit those guidelines that that Vincent has given us. You know, um, we have to you know do criminal checks. We have to make sure your your license. We have to check your licensing. Um, we have to make sure every dollar matches up, right? And and so the bank, was, the bank. Excuse me, just a second. So the bank has to do that that auditing. Or they, or is part of your thing is that the the companies have to report like on a quarterly basis, or or how often is it an annual basis or a quarterly basis? How often do you have to do that level of of additional bureaucracy in tracing this stuff? Yeah, constantly, constantly, uh, every day. <laughs> uh, um, now, hemp CBD has since Vincent uh, uh, has clarified. No, you don't need to do that anymore. Not for hemp CBD. Right, because that was the Farm Act legalized hemp in the United States. Oh, well, so the Farm Act did legalize it. However, uh, for, for a period of time afterwards, there was still this, like, confusion, right? Because, yeah, sure. You know, if you think about hemp, for example, it, it's, it's cannabis. It's the same plant, right? Um, it, just has, it just has lower THC. 
So, so, so in fact, in hemp, um, and, and maybe this is what you were getting to as far as like regulatory changes. Um, and I'm of the opinion that any sort of all these like acts that are being proposed or whatever, as, as currently written, um, I don't know that any of them are truly going to help. Uh, in fact, they may in the short term make things worse. Oh, no. <laughs> and I say this because we're, we're kind of seeing this real time with like hemp, right? So hemp is legal. CBD is legal. Except that it's not, <laughs> right? There's a lot of like, like crazy rules like you can't sell it in this state, you can't sell it in that state. Um, in this state, you can sell it, but only in tincture forms, you know. So, um, and, and of course, modern day banking, it, it doesn't stop at the state border, right? So think about the amount of work that would be involved in me. Like if you were selling CBD and I wanted to make sure that you were not selling to Louisiana or something like that, well, how, how do I do that? I would have to do URL monitoring, you know, I, and then I have to make sure you're not doing uh, health claims and things like that. And, you know, here's the thing. Uh, the FDA has come out and said, don't put it in anything, CBD. Don't put it in, in anything, right? You can sell it in pure tincture form, but you can't add it to, you know, food or, 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 or drinks or whatever. Which they but, what do you, but what do you see everywhere, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, in it's in ice cream. <laughs> um, so, so again, th there, is, there is a disconnect. Uh, we, they, they call it death by agency, right? It's legal. <laughs> <laughs> but now, but now it's trickled down to the next layer. Um, and I don't know if you saw the proposed. Uh, uh, I, I think this is a hysterical term. They call it interim final rules, right? Interim and final should be. Yeah. Um, so the DEA has proposed a set of uh, regulations regarding CBD. Um, so you know, CBD is a derivative, right? So in the process of, of, of uh, deriving um, the the product, um, you know, work in progress. At some point, you do have. Um, an active THC product, right? Because simply by matter of percentages, you know, it's, it's just right. a chemical, we're just talking about a chemical uh, uh, transaction. So the DEA, DEA's perspective, assuming these rules uh, become final and not just interim final, <laughs> um, is that while that's happening, even though it's you know, literally sitting in like test tubes or whatever, that's now a controlled substance under their purview, which makes sense on paper, right? Because now you have THC, except that it makes no sense because one, it's not a finished product. And two, how do you enforce that? Like, unless you're sitting in the lab, <laughs> like watching it, like the second it becomes, you know, marijuana, that you're gonna like take it off the shelf, you know? But anyway, I'm sorry, the, 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 all of that is to say that it, it's just this huge, you know, confusing mess of, of, of conflicting rules and contradicting regulations. And um, so if you look at like hemp CBD, You'll, you'll see the same thing there, right? There's still a lot of banks that, that won't do it. There's more banks that won't do it than there are banks that will do it. Yeah. So why? Because it's a lot of work. Right. <laughs> and so, and it's a lot of work and we can't charge more for it. Oh, charge, yeah. Can't recover so your costs of, of managing yeah, yeah. that. That's interesting because banks so, have all kinds of associated fees based on different types of bank exactly. accounts and things like that, but there's something written in whatever interim. Oh, no, no, it's not that we can't. No, no, I mean, uh, what I mean is people won't pay it. <laughs> yeah. It, so now, you, when we were talking before, you mentioned um, like the liquor license folks mm -hmm. at the state level are yeah. involved in some of this sort of regulatory and policing on it. Uh, well, I guess my is point is, right? if, you, if you look at other industries that are regulated, let's say, let's say the liquor industry, right? Um, all we do is collect your license, right? Like uh, uh, if, if a liquor store came in and wanted to open a, an account with me, 
Uh, and look, that's a regulated industry. You, you, you have to abide by certain rules, right? Um, but the enforcement, all those rules is not on the bank, right? How, how could it be, right? Um, so for example, you can't sell to minor, right? But I'm not in charge of making sure you don't do that. But yeah, I see. With, res- You're right. but with respect to cannabis, it, it is written in my guidelines. It actually says, you know, not, not selling to kids or whatever. So number one, how do, how do I know? <laughs> you know, how do I know right. that? Right. Um, right. But I, I have to, it is in my guidelines. So I have to build certain things like, okay, we're going to check your website. Like, you know, it's almost like we're doing it for appearance. Everybody knows that we're just doing it for appearance sake because I have no power of enforcement at all except to close the account, right? Uh, but I have to do that step because that's what my regulator tells me. Yeah. So now the, the Moore's Act is on hold, but the Moore's Act was what the House, House was pu- pushing to go through that would federally deschedule cannabis. And I guess there's a lot of, uh, of the political justice system in there where they would expunge the records of those with prior marijuana convictions and, you know, probably a bunch of other things. But based on what you said, it doesn't really address the difference in state laws and federal laws. And maybe because of substance happening with hemp, that was a way to pull it back and let's think, rethink how we do this so we don't make things worse. And then put it over into the liquor license for regulating versus or, con- or controlling policing rather than banks. You think they might yeah, I mean, do that? I, I think yeah. if they just, if, if they just took, a, took the enforcement off of the bank's plates, that would, that would go a huge way towards um, really just lowering the costs. Right. Like, so, so if, again, I, I think the point isn't that people won't do it. Banks won't do it. It's that it's too costly. Too much. There's so much work involved in doing it, right? Yeah. And if you don't do the work correctly, the consequences are severe, right? Like, yeah. So why? So why would you do it? You would. You would take all this risk, um, for you know a handful of accounts, um, and you put the entire rest of your bank at risk, you know, for this one industry, right? So why would you do it? It, it makes sense. Why? I, I, I can see why people won't do it now for, for, you know, first for banks like us, where we say, well, maybe we could be a first mover and we can, you know, dominate the industry, if you will. And I, I hope that doesn't sound like a crap. Right. Say, no, yeah. You know. <laughs> so um, one of the things I wanted to also ask, because we haven't really specifically talked about this, but it's one of the things that I've heard as one of the bigger complaints, you know, besides the issues with IRS and those kinds of things, you know, and how you can, as a business, not deduct many of the business expenses that other businesses do because of the fact that it's federally illegal, mm-hmm. which hopefully any legislation would address as part of that. But the merchant services, it's always yeah. a challenge. People have to pay in cash. So it becomes a very cash rich business, which also presents its own risks because they're dealing a lot of cash is flowing through these businesses. You spoke to me earlier when we were preparing for this about some of the workarounds and the way the the merchant account systems work and you know the difference in debit cards and credit cards and things like that. So speak to that, please. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you know, for your listeners, if you didn't already know, there there's no credit cards. <laughs> it is not available um, if you are a cannabis business. So here is where it gets a little murky, right? Um, so what is a cannabis business, right? Um, so if you're selling cannabis, you're growing cannabis, then sure, there's no, there's no debating it, right? You're a cannabis business. But like, as we get further away from that, like, what if you are, um, what if you're a, a law firm? Um, you know, what if you're an accounting firm? What if, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You keep going down the, down the line, right? 
Now, look, if your law firm is cannabislaw.com, <laughs> then maybe it's a little hard for you to make a justification, right? Um, you know, if you're supplying packaging, let's say, and, you know, uh, uh, your, your business is called cannabis packaging, you know, um, again, are you a cannabis business? Um, from our perspective, and, and, and again, FinCEN has guidelines, which, which is unfortunately not clear enough because their word is significant. Uh, meaning significant <laughs> revenue from cannabis. Now, the question is, what is significant? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's up to each financial institution to make that judgment call. So really? We, yeah, I know. It's crazy. Um, so I'm sorry, no credit cards available. Um, and there's actually two, there's a couple, we can get into a lot of different, you know, deep reasons, but really it comes down to a very simple fact. MasterCard Visa has said, do not put it on our network. That's it. End of story. There is no credit cards available uh, or debit cards for that matter. Um, now, a, as you've probably heard, that there's any number. I mean, there's a, there's a ton of options out there that are app driven or blockchain and coin based and blah, blah, blah. Um, so the reality is that there are lots of solutions out there. They're all some form of a workaround. So again, taking the conversation full circle. Right, yeah. Apple Pay works. I couldn't remember of that because that doesn't. That's um, not. Does it go through Apple the normal work, yeah. system? Yeah. So there's lots of apps. You can, you know, a lot of lot of uh, dispensaries now are employing some sort of app, which which does make sense. I mean, it, it works the same way. Although I would say that the the people that justify that that makes it compliant, um, that's not really true, right? Because because the, the point is is that at the end the money is going towards a federally illegal transaction, you know, even though it's legal on the state level, it, it's federally illegal and, and yeah. federal law has uh, supremacy, right? So, um, so as we start to, we got to wind down here a little bit. I want to tell folks that um, you can reach out and connect up with Peter Sue here at his LinkedIn account, which um, is in the show notes. And if it's, is it just your name? You have any hyphens in there you want to tell? folks the no no that's it okay they get that a lot where yeah so i didn't know you know some people have that in their whatever and numbers and i don't know how yeah. people come up with that in in LinkedIn. <laughs> i have just my name karen rands and so um what do you would you recommend to the it, the businesses that are listening now the entrepreneurs and the investors as to um what like what are some best practices in identifying they may be banking someplace and having to do some of these other, you know, flip-flops in order to, to, you know, work with that bank and how to shop around for a bank such as yourself. Are you in all the States, you know, versus like community banks? What kind of recommendations would you have for the folks listening today? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think transparency, I, I think you should embrace transparency the way, you know, because I, I, I think, um, so this is probably more true to the, to the companies that established themselves early in the game, right? Because back then it was exceedingly hard. And, and so those are the people that employ some sort of like, okay, I'm going to have different accounts and this, this you know, uh, this, to, to layer the transactions and stuff like that. What I would say is, look, that, that you don't have to do that anymore, right? It, it you know, now there are banks that are sort of embracing it and you should embrace that transparency as well. You know, there are capital sources available now that, that you don't have to, you know, there's no wink, wink and a nudge, nudge going on. But, um, it's just say you're, you're doing cannabis, right? <laughs> you know, now if the bank says, you know, we don't do that, that's okay. Move on to the next one. Because what you don't want, in my opinion, the worst thing that can happen is you go to a bank 
you lied to them or you obfuscated your, your transaction and you got the banking. And then three months down the road, six months down the road, they closed your account because you did X, Y, and Z, right? Um, and same thing with your capital sources. That's almost worse. Like imagine if, if someone lent you money and they didn't know it was going towards cannabis, well, they're going to call that loan and, and the repercussions to them will be, will be severe, right? You're better off going to the people, hey, this is exactly what we're doing. Um, you know, are you okay with that? Let's get that out of the way first, right? Um, on the capital side, I think, look, uh, uh, options are available now. I, I see um, it's really exploding. I, I definitely see funds coming into the space, family offices jumping in. Um, institutional money, uh, banking, uh, bank financing is probably largely still off the table. But private money is flooding in and, and it, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's creating pricing pressure. Yeah. Uh, so it is getting cheaper, so to speak, to get those, uh, to get those options out there. Yeah, I have uh, done a couple, I work with a couple of different uh, cannabis funds that yeah. um, are funding different businesses and things like that. I've done podcasts with them. Um, I, and I, and I want to encourage um, anybody that's a business owner or manager in a cannabis business from seed to sale or an investor in that to pay attention to what's going on in Washington when it comes to the Moore Act or yeah. anything else. Like, 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 Get get on the. I'm sure NCIA uh, NCIA has a newsletter that yeah. will uh, keep you updated on legislative action because you want to make sure that that when they have a call for comments or when they have the ability and speak to your local Senate and House as well as your federal representation to make them aware that whatever they do to not for not to not leave these holes and gaps in the process because for example when we saw and i did a i did a a podcast on this a a while ago you can go um find it i think it's called cannabis and fraud i did an interview with with a lady out in california it was right after uh because medicinal had been legal in cal in california for decades they were a leader of it for a long time and it was almost a joke because you could walk down any street and see a green plus sign and you know oh i have a headache you know kind of a thing and so but they finally pushed to get recreational but in order to get that through they had to allow the counties and the cities to regulate it and overnight Many businesses were shut down because the county or the city that they were operating in made it illegal or made them shut down till they went through a a review process and a licensing process and that they would sell licenses for tens of thousands of dollars knowing that they were not going to award them. And it was, the stories were just horrific. You know, fields, farms that had growing, you know, flour that yeah. was going to be used for medicinal purposes and all kind, you know, was all of a sudden out of business. They had to destroy their crops, right? Yeah. And so you have to be aware because that was not something that they anticipated. They thought that the tax revenue coming out of it was sufficient for those counties and cities to go ahead and keep it going and legalizing and they could throw another tax on top of it. But that <laughs> wasn't the case. They, right. they shut it down, right? So, you, if you are an investor, own a business, that becomes a real risk because, and also make sure that in the Moore's Act, if they do this, if that's the one that happens or whatever iteration it comes out with, that you um, 
um, make sure that IRS laws are in there so that any bankruptcy that it has to happen, that there are the same bankruptcy protections for regular businesses are in place for cannabis businesses and for, um, as well as all these banking laws that we've been talking about and that they don't put another layer of bureaucracy in there. Yeah. They, the liquor licensing that regulate that stuff, they're perfectly capable of doing this. There's all kinds of, you know, the same sort of, there's existing entities that can manage this without creating another layer of cost of bureaucracy on it. So please right. just be aware of that as you pay attention to these things going forward, because it is a live discussion. We're just not doing it right now because we're so close to an election and, you know, hopefully, you know, we'll have an opportunity to revisit this later. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, all right. So I just had my little soapbox uh, uh, speech there. So, uh, what else would you like to say, Peter, that we haven't covered? Uh, sure. Yeah. You know, I, I would say, look, it's a, it's a really exciting uh, dynamic industry, right? Um, you know, you mentioned like uh, I, I've heard people compare it to, let's say, the auto industry at the start, uh, the dot com boom. I would say this kind of blows them both away in the sense that. In, in, in both those scenarios, you didn't necessarily know what the market was per se, right? Like, sure, it, it made sense, right? That everybody's going to want cars and everyone's going to want computers, but you didn't really know, right? Like there was no, it, it was a brand new uncharted territory. Whereas here, it's like, we know <laughs> that people are going to want this product, right? Um, it's just a matter of now, how do we put the, the, the skeleton around it so that, let's be honest, so right. that the government acts it, right? Um, Having said that, uh, for, for a new entrepreneur that, that's coming in, it's a hard road. I mean, be, be forewarned. This is, a, this, is not, this is not for the faint of heart, right? Um, so, but, you know, there's lots of resources out there now. Um, you don't have to go to that. Uh, and, and with all due respect to, to, to those out there, that it, it, it's not all driven by shady consultants anymore. <laughs> you, know? Um, you, you know, you can go to big name law firms that, will, that, that, that know everything mm -hmm. about this stuff. So, you know, again, that, that, that landscape is, is changing rapidly, right? It's not, it's not, you know, Peter Sue PLLC anymore that's going to come in and, you know, maybe help you draft some documents. Like, no, these are big firms that know what they're doing, that are specializing in it. Um, so I would say that, get, get the good advice because they're out there. Uh, but again, it, it's, you've got a long road ahead of you. And, and um, you know, also the laws are changing. Like, you know, you might be setting up a business that, uh, uh, that that's heading into you know really rough waters because who knows what the, what it's going to look like in, in a couple of years right yeah 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 I agree and uh, and I've done people are you know if you're listening to this on whatever podcast feed you are on I didn't do a video of it but I have two interviews with David Feldman from Dwayne Morris yeah. one talks about the history of of uh, the, the criminal criminalization of marijuana and um, and then the, another one talks about raising capital for marijuana-based yeah. or cannabis-based businesses. And actually, uh, Reg A Plus is one of the, the general solicitation programs that you can use. And he, their firm offers those kinds of security advice and investment yeah. documents for that. So I just a little, little plug on that. B&B &B and Dwayne Morris are, are now my, my two pillars. Of <laughs> so, I mean, David, David Feldman is a perfect example of that, right? I mean, big name law, lawyer. Um, been around the block forever and he's always seems to be at the cutting edge of something right so um, you don't have to go to you know your cousin's friend that like maybe knows about cannabis like you can go to David Feldman <laughs> and he knows everything about cannabis you know um, yeah. 
and maybe maybe pertinent to your uh, what I assume is your demographic. You know, from an investment standpoint, these these funds are popping up everywhere. So obviously, people see the opportunities. I I think you know, as your standard sort of LP that's just putting money into a deal, there's probably less for you to think about. But you do have to think about the fact that um, you can see it's a rapidly changing, it's a dynamic situation, right? Like it the is. money that you put in today for that deal today, that may change tomorrow. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So. Okay, well, great. Well, again, thank you, Peter, for being on the show. Uh, Connect up with him on on LinkedIn or on the NCIA site. The B&B website doesn't have a reference to this business, um, but, you know, obviously they're they're committed to it with Peter here as a vice president there. And, uh, And for more information about the services I offer to entrepreneurs and investors, please visit KieranRands.co. And if you see behind me is my book, Inside Secrets to Angel Investing, which is a primer for uh, investors looking to invest in all types of businesses. How do you find them? How do you evaluate them? How do you, um, you know, participate in that? And what do you need to do to limit your, uh, to mitigate your risk or limit your risk when you go to investing in entrepreneurs in general? Obviously, as we've talked about today, can't the cannabis industry is... Uh, Thank you for listening to the Compassionate Capitalist Podcast Radio, where we encourage individual investment in entrepreneurs to create generational wealth and all kinds of places and and please tune in to our show. Help us spread the word about Compassionate Capitalism by sharing this podcast with your friends and And I always close with Capitalist Podcast is available on most podcast platforms, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and many more. In production for over 10 years, there are over 180 episodes available for your listening and educational pleasure. With over 130,000 downloads, this podcast is rapidly becoming the top podcast for investors and entrepreneurs to get the information they need to create generational wealth through entrepreneurism. This podcast is brought to you by the Business Power Tools which offers an online collaborative environment for leadership teams to prepare business plans, marketing strategies, financial modeling needed to attract capital and scale a business. Also, Lindio as a entrepreneur's resource portal providing access to dozens of lenders offering short-term and long-term debt to help business owners manage their financial cash flow and growth capital needs. BizX, creating affordable advertising resources, and other tools for entrepreneurs to succeed and create awareness and trust with their customer base. And Launch Funding Network, part of Cougaran Capital Holdings, is a network of hundreds of angel investors, investor clubs and networks, venture capital firms, private equity funds, family offices, investment bankers, and lenders. Please visit KarenRands.co to learn more about the Launch Funding Network, and our sponsors, and to sign up to get our Compassionate Capitalist Coffee Break and learn more about how we can help you succeed.